I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. From a land far, far away where success is a long shot and the struggle really is real comes a voice from the depths of the concrete, the bowels of the BX, a voice that can't be silenced, here to share his positivity. Welcome to the Hope of the Hood Podcast. Okay, guys, welcome back to the Hope of the Hood. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, Make sure to rate, subscribe, comment, and all of that on iTunes. Acast, laughable, and uh, that's about it. Your boy is feeling good. Your boy is back. Your boy had a pretty decent week. Uh, better days was fun. Make sure to check us out every Wednesday, 302 Broom Street, Better Days Comedy. This Friday, I'll be in Philadelphia at the Raven Lounge. Check me out there with Rob Contrell. Um... Other than that, shout out to everybody out there getting to it. Whatever it is, get to it. Shout out to everybody earning shit. Getting it the old school way, working hard and earning. I had a little rant earlier today about people hitting me up. Uh, Just so you guys know, I'm not a booker. I don't book. I'm just just involved with shows. I'm on them. Uh, but more than that, it gets tiring. Sometimes people hit me up and they're like, yo, this person referred me and told me that I should hit you up. And I'm like, I don't even talk to that person. Why is that person telling you? The they don't even ask me for shit. How could they tell someone else to ask me for some shit? And then we got people that are like, yo, you think you can give me a spot? And I'm like, and I don't want to sound like a dick because it's cool to ask for shit. But it's like, dude, just like work for shit, man. Like, I, you know like even perfect example today um so so cypher sounds and michael che have a show called two for five and um it's cypher sounds birthday april 17th lpr i went to the last show and the last show was insane were you at the last show the last show was insane um and i caught the tail end because i was hosting the show at the soho house so i went there and i didn't really get i saw like a little bit of gerard carmichael but the show was fucking sick. It was at, uh, I forget the name of the hotel. But it was huge. So I see them post that today, and I'm just like, and then it said, uh, it was like Bodega, I think Bodega birthday or something. And in my mind, you know, I'm sitting there That's like, so I'm the Bodega man. You know what I mean? I'm like, who else? If there's a Bodega show, who? So that these are things 
And I think I'm at the most dangerous when I'm on my back on the couch on social media. Nothing good comes out of that. Like when I'm up and about and moving, I'm like, I'm thinking clearly. But like when I'm on my back, I'm just like, yo. So I see that and I'm like, man, I want to fucking be on this show. Like I would love to do this show. I'm the per- but I didn't ask to do the show. So go along, go about my day, do the laundry. And then I get a message uh, from Saif. Saif is like, yo, you want to do this show on the 17th? And I'm like, what? Fuck yeah, I want to do the show. So that goes to show like, yo, dude, you fucking work hard. And not to say like this is some huge fucking accomplishment, but it does feel good to like start at in the basement level and kind of, you know, manifest the things that you want by working. I didn't ask. Like I said, I could I got his number. I got Che's number. I could have been like, hey, man, see you're doing this show. Can I get a spot? And they probably would have been like, no, just because it's like, dude, don't fucking ask me shit. Not to say it. I mean, I don't want to I don't want to assume what they would have said. But, you know, it's always harder, I think, when someone asks you because you just want to you want to have that feeling of like, yo, I know what's going on. I know who to pick. I know the number to call. You know what I mean? So. That's a perfect example of it's what nice I was talking about. It's nice to be invited, about. right? It's fucking awesome to be. That's like when someone says, uh, they go, like if someone says, tell me you love me. Oof. Or like, or like, Yo, tell me, like, it's oh. like, it's not this, or tell me you're sorry. Like, it's not the same as if someone generally, genuinely was like, yo, I love you or I'm sorry. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's like that feeling. It's almost like if you're asking, it's like you're saying, please tell me you love me. Right. It's like sometimes, uh, like one time I was, uh, I was not invited to a party that I should have been at Mm -hmm. and it was a mistake, it turns out, but I was very offended and I just, my pride was like, it just went way over it where I couldn't even ask. So I just let it slide and then let it be known that I was supposed to be (laughs) there and they made a huge mistake. This week's guest, you just heard uh, her very excited to have her here um met her i don't know was it last year i met you last year at the soho house no 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 i met you no i met you before i met her before that briefly like it like a two second thing it was at the ace hotel and i remember because emma introduced you emma introduced me to you but it was kind of hectic so i didn't we didn't really get to talk or anything like that then i saw you again um this guest I'm proud to know her, I must say, because I'm from the Bronx, I'm from the hood. So a lot of times, like, I told my mom, was like, who you, intro- who you still doing that radio thing you do? And I was like, it's a podcast, mom. She's like, who you, I'm like, yeah, I'm doing it today. Who you got on? I was like, I got, I got the booker from uh, the late show with Stephen Colbert. And she was like, what? You know, this is big. I'm talking about this is, when you say shit like that in apartment 4B, people is like, what? And I'm like, yeah, you know, I got... How do you know her? I'm like, I just comedy, man. I don't know. Like, whatever. So anyway, we got the booker from The Late Show with Stephen Colbert, Jessica Pilot. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for coming. This is like a big deal for you, boy. Thank you for inviting me. How have you been? I've been well. I've I been see. busy. I know. That's like one of the things I love about you. You're always hustling. Like, sometimes, like some people like post... But, like, she'll post at, like, 5 in the morning. It's like, yo, I'm on my way. And I'm like, damn, I got to wake up. <laughs> <laughs> I got to get my act together. 
But then not only five in the morning, throughout the day, you're posting of like, yo, I'm over here, I'm, I'm moving, I'm doing things. I think I wear, I, I wear my thoughts on my sleeve, but like on Instagram. But it's cool. But it, do, it's all right. Do you think it's like, I'm inspired. Do you think it inspires or is it just something that's just like, whatever? Oh, no, I, I like it. It's like, for me, it's like my little storybook. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I like it. It keeps me, I don't know why, but it sort of keeps me in check. Nice. Yeah. So, so, uh, and I'm nostalgic, so I like to remember things. I like to, you know, I like to take a lot of pictures and remember and, you know, quotes and this and that. That's what's, one of the what's, things what's I love. happening. Yeah. Cause you'll post, it might even be like yesterday, I think you posted a picture of socks. Oh, yeah. Or I don't know, it was yesterday, the day before. And, and it said, uh, what does it say? Get to it? Oh, no. Oh, let's see. Let's see. Let's go back. Let's into go the, back. Let's go what into the it? archives. Yeah, I have a lot of socks. I have a, a sock collection. But it was like something that it was like, I was like, yeah. Like, there's nothing like when someone posts something. You it do said this you lot. got, and then the other foot said this. It's corny, but it's good. No, it's not corny. It's essential. It's yeah, shit yeah. that you need to hear, shit you need to tell yourself. A lot of the times, you just got to tell yourself. Like, So you'll post things like that or like little excerpts from a from a book or something. And it's so like, you know, I'm not super religious or anything, but it's like a spiritual Thank you. It's like a it's like a religious kind of. I guess I keep doing it because people do say that it's also helpful for them, and I'm very much like a giver, and it makes me happy when people are happy. Whatever I'm putting out in the world, it's not like just for me. It's like okay, if this is doing something for someone else, even someone I don't even know, then that's awesome. Where do you think that came from? Or mm. were you uh, were you were you did you have people in your life like that growing up, or is it something that you grew into? Uh, I think I sort of had to sort of had to be that way because, um, you know, I'm just, I sort of had a interesting upbringing, grew up in New York. Uh, you know, I was hanging out East Village area, downtown kid, you know, and so for me, it's like, no one, I don't have, you know, rich parents. I don't have like a daddy who works in show business or anything like that. So I just sort of had to just hustle and make it and figure it out, you know? <clears throat> just like, I didn't know what the fuck I was doing, but I just had to know, I just knew I had to do it and just grind and pay my dues. So you grew up in the East Village? I grew up um, around 18th Street, actually, but um, I was always hanging out downtown. Whenever I meet, because I'm from the Bronx, so whenever I meet kids from the from the city, like we call the city Manhattan, so whenever I meet somebody from the city that grew up in the city... It's different because, like, in the Bronx, we didn't leave much, but then also it wasn't that diverse. You know what I mean? But in the city, you didn't have to leave much, and it felt like the whole world was right there at, in the palm of your hands. Did you Do you think that kind of uh, helped you out? Definitely. As far as, like, because for me, I just started hanging out with white people. Well, yeah. that We were talking about that earlier. Before, like, in, before comedy, I, ca- I can't say that I, I've known that that many like diverse people i just kind of knew who i knew but in comedy it pushed me to like yo like i not to say i was homophobic but i just didn't know gay people like i had a couple gay cousins right but even them they kept it on the low like it was never like yo we're gay right yeah i think i definitely like growing up downtown and being in the city it was definitely diverse and, you know, I think that was important. I can't imagine growing up anyway. I can't imagine growing up in middle America 
uh, or in the suburbs, you know, God forbid, you know, yeah, it was a little hectic. It was a little, you know, crazy for sure. You know, the East Village in downtown was not what it is now at yeah, all. It was, it was terrible. Terrible. You know, I didn't have a lot of money growing up at all. Were you an only child or did you have siblings? Uh, only child. Oh, nice. Yeah. So you you growing up, only child, East Village, 18th Street. Which what school did you go to? Um, I, first I went to a school called PS40. Mm-hmm. And then I went to a school called Urban Academy, which was uptown. Okay. Where and at? I went to uh, 60, is it 67th Street. Uh, yeah. Okay. And I actually went to like two different high schools, three different high schools. I ended up graduating from City as School. From um, what? City as School? City as School. And it's for like troubled, troubled people. Because you have to get, you get credit for like doing like real work. So I was like, you know, working for NPR and getting English credit. Oh, wow. Yeah. Cause I was a, I was kind of a bad teen. I got all like the bad stuff out of my system. And then now I kind of, I figured it out and thank God for that. But yeah. So I had to, I was kind of a fuck up in a way. So I was just going from, I went to three different high schools. So wow. the third high school, that's where I figured it out. So this was City Ads. City Ads School. City as city as school, that's what it's called. See that's that, crazy. But that's the thing too. Like I think I learned probably my third year in comedy, or my well, my third year was um, because even that, it's like you would look at someone or you talk to someone, and if you don't really talk to them, you don't know what they've been through. So you might think that there's some sort of huge discon- disconnect, but then the more you talk, you're like, oh shit, we got mad shit in common, right? Some people, I think they look at me and they think I'm really stuck up. And I can see that for mm-hmm. sure. So, but like, also, oh, so you fin- you graduated City as High School. Yep. And then did you go to college after that? Yeah. So then I was going to the new school and then I started, and then I went to Sarah Lawrence, which is uh, for writing. Was that always your passion, writing? Yes, always. Okay. Love to write. So hold on. so you worked for you worked for NPR when you were a teenager? Yeah, I worked for, yeah, for WNYC. Wow. Yeah. It was it was great. And I worked for Charlie Rose as oh, well. Shit. So and that's how I was getting credit by that's just crazy. Yeah. So I had jobs. I was like working. I was always hustling, always working. I always wanted to make money. I was always like, I gotta make money, I gotta make money and like scheming and figuring out. What do you think that came do you think that came from you not having much and then living in the city and seeing yeah, all the lights and shit? I think I wanted to you know, I was like, I am not going to be poor. I am not. I'm going to have a lifestyle that I, you know, that some of my friends had. I was like, I want a fucking doorman. I want, you know, nice. I want those designer clothes. Mm. You know, I want all that stuff and I'm going to figure it out and no one's going to hand it to me. I knew that. So I had to, I had to figure it out myself. That's like so cool. I think because I think if you, at least if you're exposed to, because like I didn't, I didn't get into that, but you just said it. Like you, I guess you had friends that you could see. Like, oh shit, there's a different way of living yeah. than what you're used to. So for me, it wasn't until I was like an adult, adult to like, like I'm probably like, I don't know, twenty, eighteen, nineteen, twenty before I was like, oh shit, everybody's not fucked up, right? But so like, and but then I got the same drive that you. It was like, yo, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna, my life ain't gonna end like this because it's possible. I was. I'm curious. Like, were you ever like embarrassed about like where you where you came from, or did you always have pride? Like, because for me, like, I was so embarrassed. Like, I, I was so embarrassed where I lived. You know, all that stuff. It was like. I'll be honest. I was I, I was embarrassed until. 
not even that I was embarrassed. I think I was in settings that were sometimes I'll find myself in different settings where I was a little embarrassed. So like, uh, I I remember when I was hustling when like maybe like when I was eighteen. 17, 18, 19, I was hustling with some older dudes, like about 10 years older than me. And they would hold this thing over my head because I was out west. I was down south. I was like traveling at a young age, you know, doing whatever I was doing. And whenever things would get a little fuzzy, the dudes that the dude that I was working for would always be like, yo, you want to end up back in the Bronx? And I would be so scared of that dude that I'd just be like, I'd fall right back into line. You know, so and then like even starting comedy, I'll be honest with you. It wasn't that I was embarrassed of where I was from, but I was kind of embarrassed of, like, who I was. And it wasn't, like, even, yeah. like, my name is Patrick. It's not Petey. But when I first started, or before I started, I remember living in Miami, and my mom calling me one day, and she's like, yo, is everything all right? I'm like, yeah, everything's fine. She's like, you sure? Oof. I'm like, yeah. You know, and they're like, you sure? Yeah. And they're like, yeah. And then she's like, well, I Googled you earlier and like a bunch of mugshots came up. Shit. And I'm like, oh, because I wasn't telling my mom I was getting in trouble. So when I started, I always thought that would reflect, like this was a real job. I thought it would reflect on me and my opportunities that I could possibly have because of what I was involved with or who I was, you know? I remember my mom, she would always say like, you know, I don't want to visit you with an orange jumpsuit. Did she ever? Because my mom was also like, "That's such a New York thing." It's like she's like, she's like, you know, orange is not a good color for you. <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, really?" So you, so you, um, yeah. I, I guess I was embarrassed, but now I guess comedy kind of helped me uh, evolve into kind of taking pride in that. Like, yo, this is where I'm from. This is what I've been through, and and I'm here now. Do you have that same feeling? Definitely. I think with comedy, like, there's no other outlet. There's no other. I have no choice but to work in the comedy space. You know, once I found it, once I once it became my thing, there was no going back, you know? Sometimes I talk to comics who are starting out and I ask them why they do comedy and some of them don't have an answer. And if you don't have an answer, then mm. I'm unsure if it's for you. <laughs> okay, okay, hold on. Let's rewind a little. <laughs> where, where did... The, where did, the, where did Where did Jessica Pilot's journey begin in comedy? Oh, man. Um, I think I was hanging out, and, and I was actually writing about comedy. I, I was interviewing Artie Lang um, uh, for uh, Maxim Magazine um, when he was just, had the book Too Fat to Fish. Mm-hmm. So that was in 2000. That was almost like eight years ago, uh, and I was on assignment to interview him, and it was supposed to be a phone interview, and he's like, why don't you come over to Hoboken and meet me in person? And so I said, all right, of course. And then... Um, I got on a private jet and went to Niagara Falls with him what? to a gig. And it was supposed to be a 10-minute phone interview. And I just spent the whole weekend with him and the Howard Stern crew. Oh, wow. And then I was just, like, hooked because it was nuts. So this was your first interaction within, like, the profession, like, yes. in comedy? Yes, where it was, like, you are on assignment to interview Artie Lang to talk about his book. What were you, what were you, uh, what kind of stuff were you covering before that? Because you were a journalist, um, right? Yes. So well, I did a story for Glamour about a mail-order bride. Mm-hmm. And I went to travel to Russia uh, to wow. trace her steps and her marriage. And um, I wrote about um, uh, prostitutes, um, high-end hookers uh, for a magazine now that's no longer around called Radar. Where I, met I remember a, that I met, a, I met a madam and I had her uh, price me. 
So I was doing like real like Hunter S. Thompson style journalism. You were investigating. Yes, investigative journalism, so much so that it was too much. Like I can't even imagine doing that now, but it was over the top. Can I ask you, how did you get how did you make a leap from did you make that leap from college into where, where you got in journalism? Or well, was it like I a, kind of I just was always writing and I was like, and in college, I was almost like a bad student because I was, I sold my first story to Radar um, when I was, you know, just starting out in college. And so I was taking these writing classes, I was in courses and like everyone was talking about like, oh, here's the assignment to do this. And I was like, oh shit, I just published, I just, you know, sold a story. And I think I was a little cocky. But you know what? I was I was doing it. But you were out. It sounds to me like you were out working. The, like you were you were uh, adventurous, or you you were kind of seeking something on your own. Yeah. That you weren't you were, you weren't waiting to be held. I mean, to be handed an assignment. You were Never. like, I'm going to go on my own assignment, pretty much. Totally, and that's it. Was that was the radar? The the was that the so when you're in college, this is. You went on the investigation. Yeah, this was uh, yeah the mail order bride. It was different. This was the when I was in college. Mm-hmm. I did the hooker story. Did you graduate from college or were you like, yo, I got this? No, I was like, I got this. I was like, I was, <laughs> I was like, no, I've got to do this. And but I was, so I was already floating back in between, like you know, doing school and then you know, getting all these, getting all these writing assignments and. I was, and my professors kept saying, you know what, you got to keep just doing what you're doing because it seems to be working. Did it start outweighing like the school, like the stuff you were getting on your own? Was it like the time time consuming? Time consuming and travel. And then of course it was alluring, making money, you know, and like I also had a job. I had a job that was paying me a lot of money in college. So like I was attracted to that. Mm -hmm. And, but then I became a better student later on when I chilled out of it. Okay. The school's good. So you went from radar to Maxim? No, and then I was that was an assignment. So I was always freelance. Okay. And then I um I sold a TV show uh with no agent, nothing. Hold on, hold on, hold on. You well, can't just slip story, that I'm in just there. Saying, well, I'm just saying with the writing, that's what happened. So like things were really working out for a while. So yeah, you didn't need school. Are you kidding me? Right. What was the, the what was the show you wrote? It was about male older brides, and so I made a. I, I, based on my article, I sold a show to National Geographic wow. about male older brides. Damn, where did that? Where did, so where does that? Because come I from? want it. Because I want it. If, if I want it, I'm gonna get it. I'm gonna. I'm gonna figure it out. Because it's gonna. It's like when I. You just have it in you. Like I need this to happen, and then you just do it, and right. that's it. There's literally people like, oh, how do you do this? You do it, and they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, I can't explain it. You just have to just. Go out there and do it, just like you're doing it, you know? So fast forward a little. You, you're you on assignment. Are you freelancing for Maxim? Yeah. Okay, so you're, freelance for Ma- you're freelancing for Maxim. You're going to cover Artie Lang. He's releasing his book, Too Fat to Fish. Fish. Yeah. He flies you out. Yep. Private jet. Yep. With Niagara Falls? Yep. <laughs> Niagara Falls. Had you ever been on a private jet at this time? No. So, th- all right. You already got the hunger. You're a New Yorker. There's a thing yeah. in you. And you taste, it's like you taste it. You taste the lifestyle. Was there something about being on that jet where you were like, this is it? Or you like tell yourself, this is the feeling I need. Yeah, I'm so glad Instagram wasn't around then. Because I would just be all over that, you know? It was definitely alluring. I was like, oh man, this is crazy. Did you have any shrimps on the jet? No. I actually, I, I have a fear of flying is the weird part, but it was like fight or flight. I got to get on this flight, you know? I and hate flying. 
Did you already interview him or was this like- So we were just working on the story and we actually never, the weird thing is at that time, we actually never finished the story because it was so crazy that it was like, I don't even know what to do at this point. That's crazy. (laughs) You know? So then- Have you met him? Briefly, but not really. Yeah, he's got the biggest heart. I mean, I can imagine. He's been, and anybody, I think anybody that's been in the game that long and still has a, like this, from what he's been through, that still has the passion to come back to it through whatever he's been through every right. time, that says something. Because a lot of people just quit. Like, they'll go through some tragic shit and be like, well, that's it. And they go into oblivion or whatever it is. But no, he's still coming back every time stronger than ever. All right. So fast forward. You do the... um you do this interview, and what was the next? So did you know? So you knew at that time, yo, I'm in. I want. I want to be in this lifestyle. Oh yeah, I just knew it. So then I started hanging out the comedy cellar, and it was it was hot, but it wasn't like how it is now, mm-hmm. for sure. And what I, year is this? Um, ooh, I'm so weird with dates. Early two thousand. Yeah, and uh, let's see, Amy Schumer wasn't famous yet, and she was there. And she was dating Anthony Jeselnik. I remember the people that were that were that were there at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, who was there? You know, Chappelle. I remember made his like like around then. He he dropped in once, but it was like he was still he didn't have his all his Netflix. I mean, this was really that's when Netflix was <coughs> where you just DVDs DVDs. Yeah, so that was it, and it was cool. I just loved it. I became friends with all these comics, and I just loved hanging out there. I was just hanging out, hanging out, hanging out. And then I wanted to write about comedy. Mm. So I started interviewing comics. And So uh, no one told you to do this. This was just you. No. So it's just like, yo, you got the taste. Yeah. You got the bug. And then you're like, I need to immerse myself Must. in this situation. Yes. And then you were like, was it like you chilled for like a, a, a month or two or three and then the light bulb went off and you're like, okay, I got it. Yeah. I just, there was no going back. So then you started, so then you, I mean, they know you by now. Because you're there all the time. Yes. So by the time you were like, hey, who, do you remember the first person you approached? Like, hey, let me interview you. And what was it for? Was it just for you or was um, it for I ended up writing a story. Um, who was the first person? Um, Julian McCullough. Okay. And who else? Oh, my God. Rachel Feinstein. Feinstein. Uh, man. Colin Quinn. Um, I met Nick DiPaolo. I met um, Big J. I met... I met everyone. I mean, I was just, I was hanging out. But I didn't really know what the hell I was doing at the time. I just knew that I wanted to just listen to, just learn about comedy and comedians. And this is before podcast even, pretty much. Like before, yeah. I mean, this early 2000s. It was it was yeah. around, but nobody was really no doing was, it like that. No one yeah. was, really. Yeah. So you were basically on the, on like you was ahead of the curve. Well, I was one of the first people to actually write a story about the comedy seller, um, which is true. Yeah. Who was was it just for it was you? For, it was for um, a magazine called Black Book. Um, they were used to be in print. It was a fashion magazine. Okay. Um, so I ended up writing for a fashion magazine about the comedy seller. What was that article about? Um, it was about uh, sort of finding the comedy seller to like feel like to f- better about life, you know, and sort of finding comedy. So you did that, and what was this? What was the next milestone step in in your on your journey in comedy? Um, I think fast forward to um, three years ago, um, I had a series, a video series for the Village Voice called "This Is Stand Up." Uh, it was a video series, and I was behind camera. 
A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Interviewing everyone from um, Lucas Brothers, Colin Quinn, uh, Patton Oswalt, Jim Gaffigan, um, like uh, Marina Franklin, over uh, 25 comics about just talking about comedy. Heavy hitters, by the way. Uh, yeah, for sure. Not just comics. Because anybody could interview a comic. We're talking like top, 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 top brass. I kept it, yeah, I kept it to a certain level. Yeah. And every episode was five minutes and we go through different things. Like, remember Sam Morell, Mark Norman, some of the younger guys, and they've really progressed since then. And so like with Mark, uh, with Sam Morell, uh, he now has... Um, you know, he's a comedy hour that Amy Schumer's producing. In the episode I did with him, he was working out a joke. I said, I want to make a video, a mini five-minute video, where we work out a joke and what it's like for a comic to work out a joke mm-hmm. for late night. And that's exactly what it was. And then and then fast forward to now, um, and then two years later Who was after he, that. What was the joke for? Was he, do you remember He ended up show? doing it on Conan okay. um, recently. And then, but fast forward wow. is then... Uh, Sam Morell was my first guest when I got the gig, um, you know, finding the comedy uh, for CBS. So it was all, everything came full circle. And then I got the job because I think an episode I did with Patton Oswalt where he was talking about, you know, how important um, comedy is during tragedy. I think there was a, there was a shooting. Mm -hmm. So many shootings since then, but yeah. Yeah. There, were, there weren't that as many shootings at that point. But yeah, so that was it. So that was my calling card. I did that video series I did. I made no money, but I knew that the investment of just making these videos all on favors, uh, no one was paid to do it. No one, you know, everyone who helped me to create it and edit it and everything, everyone was just doing it because they knew it was cool. That's big. That's called a leap of faith. Because like for me, people hit me up all the time. Yo, I want to do this thing. I want to do this thing. And I'm like, man, fuck off. I don't say it like that, but like, I'm like, who? Like, no. So it's like people had to trust you. Yeah. Well, like I booked you have to my own feel show. good. Oh, you did? So I booked it. No one booked it for me. I booked it and I would just write to all these comics. And and then as the list got bigger and as people were um, fans of it, like Judd Apatow became a fan of it and Mike Judge became a fan of it. And a lot of people became fans of it. And, you know, getting that certainly helped. You know, sh- some people said no for sure. Um, you know. So you're saying you made yourself hot. Well, yeah. I mean, maybe. I but, just made it, I made it like, it wasn't about me. It was about them, you right. know? It wasn't like, it, it was about them. I was like, look, this is about you. I hate the term when people say you work for someone as opposed to you work with someone. Because right. people feel way more comfortable knowing they're on a team right. than they're an employee. 
Right. You know what I mean? So I think that's, like you said, you're doing cool stuff. Other people see it. They're like, so it makes it more comfortable to work alongside with someone that kind of has the same general definitely uh purpose to some yeah. extent if i still had that series i would want i would definitely want to do a an episode with you for sure oh we gotta bring the series back you know my man edits you know it's so weird i wrote to village voice uh a few days ago and i told them that i really missed the series and that maybe we should bring it back and so we were we're kind of talking about it that'd be dope because they went out of they, they don't do um papers anymore right and it was a good it was a, you know it was all video and it was it was doing well for them so do you ever have those surreal moments because as a new yorker we grow up with the village voice oh yeah so it's like you're like what i'm working for the village yeah, voice now that's cool that's nuts yeah did you already have a vision of where you want to go or you know I, or was it just like let me just do, let's see no, what it takes just, me. Let me just throw this out in the universe and see what happens. And of course, I got enticed. You know, I had a I had an agent. I got an agent after I did that series, and you know, he was talking like, "Oh, we're gonna make this into a TV show," and I got really excited about that. And then didn't work out. And then, you know, I got a little discouraged. But for me, it wasn't like, you know, yeah, I didn't. I wasn't. You know, I don't. I think I try not to get too excited anymore i just try to be pleasantly surprised you know i don't expect anything i just you know did you do you think you learned from that definitely because rejection is really in order to take rejection is so important and Mm -hmm. especially for comics and so because i've dealt with rejection Mm -hmm. um i can sort of understand like the hustle and how hard it is for comics out there trying to get booked on shows and you know trying to get specials and this and then the third and i totally get how hard it is putting yourself out there and you know it's so vulnerable especially when it's your art Mm -hmm. do you think it gave you some do you think it kind of built some sort of fire in you with that rejection and understanding it and being like, because yes. for me, that's what the thing that, that pushes drives me, you. I'm not going to lie. I told someone today, I'm like, yo, because I auditioned for this Comedy Central thing recently. And like, of course I want to get it. Right. But at the same time, I'm like, dude, I kind of don't want to get it. Why? Because then, not I, I want to get it. Oh, but yeah, hypothetically yeah. speaking, like, I almost don't want to get it because I'm, it won't upset me. It'll right. just make me more. It'll just build the chip on my shoulder already. Not to say that I'm not already going to keep building and trying to learn more and try to get better, but I know those type of things are the things that always have driven me to make me be like, all right, good. Right. I watch totally. what I'm going to do next. Yes, exactly. Or like, watch how good I'm going to get now. Like, it's like that thing. I don't know what it is. So it did build that fire in you to some extent. For sure. To be like, okay. Yeah. You d- But did you go back into it like... Just keep working, but don't like have low expectations and don't get too hyped. Oh, always keep high expect high goals, low expectations. Do you feel like you keep high expectations and goals for yourself, and then you anything that has like you can't control? Do you like just not? Oh, uh, I get very obsessive. I'm very like you know I'm like a workhorse to myself. Like no one tells me to you know do as much as I do, but I have to because I feel like a loser if I didn't. <laughs> You know what I mean? Yes. Because then you can't have any excuses. Right. You had your, you had the show. Yeah. When did you become, or how did it come? How did it come about that you were the that you became the booker for the? How the did I show? get um, working working on that? Um, was um, was there any? I, I'm sorry. Was there anything in between that we missed? No. It's so I guess my my boss was a fan of um, my series, and he DM'd me on Twitter. And he asked me to come in for a meeting, 
And this was when um, Letterman was ending. And um, he said they had, you know, some sort of freelance, you know, position, um, you know, maybe, he said, you know, figuring, booking and figuring out the stand-up for Late Show with Stephen Colbert. And I didn't know what I was doing, but I knew that I could figure it out. F fight or flight. Fight or flight. Right. And it was great, and I love him. He's yeah. like a... He's like a showbiz guardian angel. Steven or your, your my boss. boss? Okay. My boss, yeah. Was this the boss from the Village Voice? No, my boss at CBS. That's how I got my job. Oh, whoa, 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 he, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's what I'm saying. That's how I got my, I said fast forward to like now. But how, so how'd you get into CBS though? That's how, because on Twitter, he, my boss became a fan of my video series oh, for the Village Voice okay. and he DM'd me on Twitter and said he was a fan and he wanted to talk about my series. And then we started talking and then there was this position opening up and mm. I said, great, I love it, you know? Right. Let's figure it out. And I was nervous. I'm like, oh my God, is he for real? I was it like an out. audition for you? Or what, what, what? how did you, did you just slide right into it? Kind okay. of. Like, okay. you know, the first guest was, uh, you know, as I said, was a guest who was on my Village Voice series. And, you know, first, and then we were doing some people who had already done TV um, you know, who tried and true, tried and true. And then they soon realized, I mean, they gave me some faith and they let me just do some network debuts. And ever since I feel like almost, gosh, the last dozen people I've had on, that was their first TV wow. spot, you know. That's big. Huge. Because here's the thing. I don't know if you listeners get this. And I was thinking kind of early, I was thinking about it. And I was like, you basically have your, you're like the plug, as we would say in the streets, to what the nation sees. Not just, like, they would talk about, and bigger than the nation, because this shit airs in different countries and all that shit, but like, the nation. Right. You know what I mean? So it's almost like, it's I, I, I got a fucking bar show and I'm complaining, like, yo, stop hitting me up. You're in control of what the nation sees. So well, that's, I wouldn't go that far. As far as stand-up comedy oh, yeah. on, well, on this show, on, yeah, on CBS, yeah, yeah. this is a big deal. You it know? is a big deal. And But then the other thing I think that's so cool with hearing your story now is that you did exactly what I was like talking about earlier, which is you did something that you didn't really know what was going to happen in the, in the future, but you invested your time, you invested what you were interested in. You invested into that. So like, it was, it was, that's kind of dope. Yeah. I love it. So how, how does it feel being the booker for such a Well, I would say, um, well, so I, you know, I, I work for CBS and so I, you know, it's a whole process, right? It's not just me. I find the people and I, I'm out there, I'm out there every night. I'm out there. It's not just people sending me tapes. I'm in it. <clears throat> And, you know, it's a whole process. And when people, you know, on the show agree with my taste, um, that's really cool. And to be able to work with a comic on a set from a club and then all the way to TV, um, almost like how like a manager would. I'm really like in it and I'm grinding it out with them. I'm working for, you know, a whole month or two. Sometimes um, there was a comic I worked for like four months, you know, on a set. Uh, there's, a, there's two comics now I'm working with, you know, it's going to be a couple months. So it's like, we're going to go to like 20 different, you know, spots and we're going to make it, make it work. And that is so cool. I'm not going to lie. I've seen her, I've seen you work with a, a few comics 
and I've seen the sets progress progress to the point because like I'll host a lot of shows and like I'll see you and I know I kind of know like once I see you with someone I'm like all right they're working on it yeah before anybody even knows we're like all right they're working on it so then seeing them without you or like still working on it on their own it's like and then seeing it getting tighter and like crushing and then you're like oh shit shout out to Jeff Akiri he's like one of the dudes that I see that I'm like oh man this guy's fucking bringing the heat yeah, but I, I saw him like from you know I don't know I think it was the uh, the show you did the show you had oh, yeah. the, the fishbowl I know show. and he really got better since then that's what I'm saying so holy I first smokes. saw him there and then like fast la- forward a few months and then I'm like holy shit this set is insane and he's killing every way he does it yeah, it's so funny. I, I always tell comics, I actually like to see them bomb and eat it. And, eat it. and if you can eat it, then you can do it. Mm-hmm. You know? If you're just, like, killing all the time, I'm a little nervous. How do you find How do you find these, um, like, how do you find the comics that, is it someone that you personally find? Or is it yeah. someone that you hear about? Or, like, how does that it work? All, it's all different. Like, with Jeff, I found Jeff. Um, I went to Big Sky Comedy Festival, which you should actually... Um, definitely audition for. I know on the 24th of this month, they're holding auditions at New York Comedy Club. Oh, Shout out to New York Comedy Club. No, um, great club. Shout out to Emilio Savone. Yeah. And Amy Hawthorne, who's and a great Amy booker. Hawthorne, yeah. Love Amy. Sweet. So, yeah, I saw him in Montana, and he killed in Montana. Mm-hmm. And I was at that festival, and then we connected here. But, um, yeah, there's been some people. Um, Rami, I love Rami. Mm-hmm. Saw him on some other show. And he's LA, LA based, and his network debut was insane, uh, so good. There were some people that were just like they just blew me away with like how good I was. Like, oh man. Well, that, I think that's the cool part as being as a comedian to see, um, someone that's like really, like, your stethoscope is to the streets, because you're not just going and being like, let me get this guy that's tried and true. Through yeah. years and years and years and years. So, like, when I see someone that's my peer that I know, like, oh, God, this guy fucking is tight. Yeah. Like, Eric is tight. Yeah. Like, I seen Joe List the other night. I'm like, holy wow. fuck, this guy. Like, you know when you see someone and you're just like, you know they're funny and it's like, whatever. But then you see them on some nights and they got, like, new, new, new news. And yeah. you're like, god damn, this shit, like, rapid fire, tight, 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 beginning to end. People want more when he gets off. And you're just like, man. So, like, I think there's some sort of... It's cool to see and to know that the person that's kind of in control of that is a real fan and is in the in the mud with everybody else kind of seeing shit on the on the. I feel like you it. have to love comedy. How could you not, right? Well, I... Yeah, you have to, but I think some people have some sort of, like, a, it's not a... Like you love it, but then it's like a jaded approach to it. Right. There's a jaded approach to the love for it. Well, I hope I never get that way. That would suck. <laughs> so, all right, here's the thing. This is something yeah. that hit me the other day. I was like, man, am I becoming a comedy snob? Because I feel like I'm such a fan mm-hmm. since I was a little kid. Like, this isn't something that's like new to me. This is like my mom, she would do, she would, um, Anything we were interested in, she would buy us books about it. So I was always a, a I was always a comedy fan, and I remember like getting books about SNL and like books about just comedy when I was a kid. I didn't, you know, like I knew about Carlin and Stephen Wright and these guys, fucking 
when I was probably like eight, nine years old. Wow. You know what I mean? Like I didn't really, I didn't know what they were saying because I'm reading in a book. I'm not seeing them on TV, but like I'm reading about them and kind of getting the gist. Fast forward to now, actually doing comedy and kind of like just like being such a fan. It's hard for me. Like I can't really give you that wiggle room because like for me, I can have a great set and be like, oh, I was terrible. Because I know that there's something else there. There's something missing or there's something whatever because I'm a snob. Right. Would you consider yourself a comedy snob? Mm, maybe a tastemaker. <laughs> well, that's what... Uh, but yeah, sure. A little a little bit. Yeah. I like yeah. that word, tastemaker. Yeah. I feel like you have to put in the work. You know, if you're not putting in the work, then it's going to show, you know? Just like you were saying, like, you know, when a comic's like really grinding it out and working out a set, it... You know, that actually pays off. So, yeah, I see people hustling. I see people working on working on their sets for years or months. Then, you know, I respect that for sure. But, yeah, definitely a snob. I, I recently, yeah, yeah, definitely a snob. Because I think the more, yeah. you're, the more you watch it, the hard, it's not that things aren't funny. It's right. that you've pretty much seen everything under the sun. So it, yeah. it kind of has to be like... Or, like, this is a weird thing. I know that I'm real deep in comedy because, like, you know, there's someone, some friend of mine sorry, starting to do, like, open mics. And I'm like, are you doing it just for fucking fun? Or do you want to be a comedian? You know, right. like, really aggressive. It's like, I don't know. I'm like, well, figure it out, you know? Well, that's the thing. Back to fight or flight. <laughs> no, that's serious. Because that's back to fight or flight, like you said earlier. Because for me... And I feel like I gen I generalize it like I it is com for me it's comedy but I feel like it's so relative to everything in life. Yeah. So if someone says, "Yo, this person says I'm funny. Do you think I should try it?" And it's the same thing I tell them. I I've said this before. I said this every time. It's like, dude, if you don't feel like you have to do something, yeah. you'll never be shit at it because there's gonna be someone else. There's a million people that have to do it. You got to compete with those guys, and you're gonna look silly up against those guys because they have to do it. Their right. life depends on doing it. So it's not like a, let me see what happens. So like, even for you, an example, I feel like you had, not, you didn't have to do this, but you had to live or, or you had to, you have to be this way. Like you have to go for yours or else what the fuck, you, you're not going to work at Starbucks. No. Yeah. I don't know where <laughs> I would fit in. I'm really wacky, you know? <laughs> when you say wacky, I feel like you, you is. I feel like people get people get generalized like in a negative tone, like wacky, weird, certain things because of because of them knowing exactly what they like and other people not understanding and getting kind of intimidated of that because a lot of people don't know what they like or they'll they'll go whichever way the wind blows to fit in. So a lot of times I feel like in society we label these people as weird or wacky or whatever it is, where it's like you just know what you fucking like. Yeah, you know, you know, um, you got that's my dude, Raleigh Fingers. Yeah, I, mean, I interviewed him a couple years ago, and he said, I'm the mayor of Weirdoville. So I think I'm pretty weird. He so said, he's, you're the mayor I of Weirdoville? I am, yes. <laughs> That's the crazy. The mayor of Weirdoville. That's crazy. Because he said the hip, his hip-hop will rock and shock the nation, like the Emancipation Proclamation. He said that. He told her she's weird. He's the one yeah. rapping about the Emancipation Proclamation. So... That's a pretty high. Go. I wish someone from the Wu Tang said I was fucking 
That's weirdo a, land. But that, I guess I actually thanked him uh, recently. I, I wrote him a message. He didn't write me back. Oh, well. And I said, I wanted to thank you for that time that you said I was the mayor of Weirdoville because ever since then, I've felt okay being a little weird. And that's true. Well, I think those are the people. Those are the people that I like the most. I was watching a uh, documentary the other day. Well, not even an excerpt of an interview of this old school New York graffiti artist called uh, Ramel Ramel Z, and he was kind of like he was him and Basquiat were like best of friends. And they, some would say that he kind of influenced Basquiat a little bit, but he was just so far out. Like he spoke in his own language like it was english language but it was so like what the average person was like what the hell are you talking about right. but he knew exactly what he was talking about so it's like the, but like me watching that i'm just like to myself like man i want to get to that place yeah of you're so confident in what you know and how you feel and what's in your heart that it really doesn't matter around what's going on around you yeah I, i'm i feel like confident in myself and in my you know quirkiness now like I'm just very comfortable and I do credit that to being in comedy I don't, and you got yes and, and I don't mean to name drop it's just that I, it was really important to me I, I'm really not a name dropper Do you better name drop yeah I can I can keep going um no it's just the, <laughs> no it's just that I remember that and I, I was thinking about it recently because now I can't believe he's blowing up and it was cool because actually he wanted to do comedy that's how we were connecting uh, that's why we, we kept talking after I did this interview with him because he wanted to do stand-up and I brought him to the Comedy Cellar and I forget who he was talking to but I don't know if I don't think he pursued it but he wanted to do some comedy mm. so I was like you should and then he didn't <laughs> that's but, crazy but that would be good so alright where where are you at now? what are, what are you up to now? Okay, I know but, you're still booking for yeah, Colbert yeah so I'm booking uh, for Colbert um, I'm also booking um, an uh, untitled show for BET. Um, I just wrapped a Netflix show uh, for Larry Charles, who's a really big deal. He directed Borat and Curb Your Enthusiasm wow. and first writer on Seinfeld. So I'm excited for that show to come out. What's that show about, if you don't mind? Uh, I can't talk about it by uh, legal reasons, okay. but it's fucking brilliant and it's out this summer. On Netflix? Yeah. Cool. So check it's out for really that. really good. So I so that's it, and then um, I'm just sort of just doing it, you know. I'm, well, that's kind of dope because they're like, so, like you said, excuse me, you said uh, <laughs> Colbert, BET, yeah, Netflix. That's like fucking Adidas, Reebok, Puma, right there. Like, how yeah. do you, how do you even, how do you even get into this? zone or mode of doing these different type of projects like these are extremely different type I think of it's just exciting to just do all these different things it keeps keeps it keeps everything um yeah keeps everything exciting yeah mix it up I like it where do you see yourself next like what do you see yourself ultimately mm, do, do I really want to develop I really want to start developing comics and I'm sort of thinking you know, I get excited, like, what what can we do with this person? Let's do more. And, you know, that's something that I'm definitely into for sure. Um, and, you know, producing. Hmm. I would love to work on a special. So are you saying managerial, agentarial? Not agent. Possibly. Not agent. Um, because I don't, I don't, I'm not, like, chasing the money, even though I want the money. Mm-hmm. I think about, like, more long game. More like what you mean? Long game, which is, yeah, more on the managing side. But, um, yeah, it's 
sort of preemptive, but I, 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 I'm happy where I'm at right now. And I just want to keep going and doing and giving people some, you know, opening doors. That's, that's, that's really what I really want. I think you have like the, some of the best ingredients, you know, how like Snapple says best ingredients in the world. I feel like you have some of the best ingredients, um, to do what you're saying you want to do because like even for me like I'll have managers talk to me I'll have people talk to me and I'm just kind of like I always tell people like I need someone that I don't have like I don't have to tell what's going on you know what I mean like even like I'm, we're not going to say what you were doing earlier but you told someone like yo this is boom 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 like that's the type of shit that I'm looking yeah. for like I need someone that's like as enthused as I am without me having to make them enthused as I am right and I think that's super important. Any managers out there listening, key take note. Yes. What were some of the what were like what's like the biggest obstacle you feel like you faced on the way to where you're at now, and how did you uh, overcome that obstacle? Mm, I think getting respect and proving <clears throat> that I know what I'm talking about and what I'm doing. And I guess I quickly learned that the only way to get respect is to put in the work. And it's not going to happen until you, you know, you fail and then get back up and succeed and sort of, you know, bomb a little bit. That's for me. Like, I love failing. Oh, it so, doesn't feel good, but oh, it's it does. it's kind of good, isn't it? It does. I, I think if you could acknowledge it, because it's nothing I hate more than someone doing eh. And yeah. getting off feeling like they did. Yay. Right. Where you're like, dude, you should be beating yourself up right now. Not that you're going to quit or anything, but you should definitely acknowledge, like, I didn't, I wasn't the best. I wasn't. I, yeah, I did a TV interview that I bombed so hard that I feel like I became a new woman after. It was so bad. How'd you, how do you bomb? I had a panic attack on air, live TV, my first television, like, thing on MSNBC. What? And I bombed. So hard that I, I literally, I was, I, I didn't know what, I couldn't, there was no words coming out of my mouth. And they're like, hello, Jessica. I'm like, uh, I'm sorry, what's the question? And they asked me again. I'm like, I'm sorry, I don't know the answer. And like, I was just freaking out because I had, I, I don't know what the hell was happening when I do, but it, I just, I wasn't, I wasn't ready. And they're like, and I bombed so hard. I remember I met um, my friend JL afterwards and I was just like, I need to get bombed. <laughs> I'm like, I bombed so hard, let's get trashed. So did you, so did, damn, this, now you're opening the interview back yeah. up. Was this like something that happened and the, obviously it made you stronger, but did you know it was going to make you stronger after bombing like that? Oh my God. Well, after that, I just said, you know what? This is going to be good. I'm Something else is going to come. And I said to the universe, I said, something is going to come and it's going to be so much better and it's going to be bigger and it's going to be awesome. And... I guess I'm going to plug something. Um, then I got a call from CNN to go on TV again. Just two weeks later after I bombed miserably. And then I taped something that went well. So cool. So yeah, I, you know, that's it. I bombed and then I got back up. I'm like, okay, this is not going to be how it's going to end for me. Because that's that 18th street in her. Yeah. She ain't going out like that. No. She got her eyes on the prize. Yeah. Someone actually hit me up recently about um, 
like asking me about like how do I book or whatever. I don't fucking book, but like they were like it was they were but they weren't a comic. They were just like a fan of comedy. Oh, okay. almost like you said you were. Yeah. Where I was just like, well, I mean, I don't know, <laughs> be around, be immersed, in it, I don't get involved in it, like know who's who, just get in it. Yeah. Or be around it. That's true. What would you tell that person? The same thing. Um, I would, I would just say, you know, I can't, I can't talk to you right now. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but it depends who the person is. It's just somebody green, somebody bushy-tailed, wide-eyed, and they're like, oh, man, one day I want to... Like, there's people out there that that they... Maybe they'll hear this, and it's like, for real, they'll be like, yo, I, I, I know what I want to do now. Because they'll hear your story, and they'll be like, yo, I didn't know that this was even a possibility, or this is even a thing, or this is even a position. And they might be like, yo, this is, this is the direction I want. I love comedy. That's great. But they got to put in the work. Okay. So as long as you put in the work, then you can do it. I will, I'm a, I'm a believer in, like, do or, you know, doing your dreams. You can do it if you do it, you know? And that's really it. There you have it, guys. Yay. Jessica Pilot. Thank you so much Thanks once again. Thanks for having me. Um, you guys will be back next Monday. Um, where can they find you? Do you want them to find you? Sure. Um, Twitter. Jessica Pilot 212. Instagram, where I'm real fun. Just my name, Jessica Pilot. Inspiration. If you ever want inspiration, go to Jessica Pilot on Instagram. Um, she's the bomb. Guys, we'll be back next Monday. Make sure to listen, tune in. Apple Podcast, Acast, Laughable. Peace. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.